Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by Irrational Confidence. San Francisco, I put this on Twitter, I said, our irrational but completely justifiable confidence has returned and it's back because the Giants are rolling. And this episode, tonight's episode is going to be a San Francisco Giants filled pod. We're going to talk about everything that happened at the trade deadline and just a crazy month that they had as we start heading into August. This is it has revitalized Giants fandom. People are really excited and it's a great time to be a baseball fan. Uh, before we get started, Raymond, why don't you let them know where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com slash the Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore Goldcast. And you can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of the Goldcast. Follow, like, subscribe because we like to hear from you. And we have a new host with us now that can also participate in the comment section. I know the YouTube crowd is always into the comment section. So be sure to chime in because we have a new voice to join the fray. That's right. And Candlestick, well, why don't you let them know where can they find you? Easiest way is Twitter at Candlestick Will and hit me up whenever you want. Ray, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Ray Solis and I'm on Instagram at Ray Solis One. Awesome. And I'm on Instagram at Ray Solis Three and then on Twitter at Ray Solis Three R D. All right. Let's get into it. Trade deadline has come and gone. Madison Bumgarner told everyone they're making a run. They're coming. I cannot wait. Here we go. Classes in session. Let's get busy. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Sousa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. And our esteemed co-host. Candle, stick, will. Bam! Guys, holy crap. It it this team was left for dead before the all-star break. It looked like we were just going to limp into the final months of Bruce Bochy's final season. Uh, basically just into the grave, and we're just going to slowly drag ourselves there. But since the All-Star break and heading into July, the Giants have been on fire. 19-6 and is their win-loss record for July. Two and a half back of the wild card. They are now in second place, still still probably too far away to get first um, to take first from the Dodgers, but it doesn't matter because really, really what we want is that wild card spot. We have won the World Series from that position before, but let's talk about this. It has been crazy. Candlestick, Will, I want to start with you. Let's just, I just want to talk first about overall reactions to an insane month in July. What do you think was the turnaround? What caused this huge turnaround with the team? Well, you know, there's a lot of factors we're not going to necessarily know, um, for sure as to why it happened. But I think one, one of the things that started, it was the last day of June, they were 13 and 13 going to the last game of the month. And they beat the D backs on June 30th, 10 to four. And that gave them a winning month. They were 14 and 13 to end the month, which doesn't sound impressive except for the fact that they hadn't had a winning month since June of 2016, when uh, they were going into the all-star break with the best record in baseball. And from the All-Star break of 2016 to now, they hadn't had a, a winning month the, that entire time, all of 2017, all of 2018. That's so, insane. So to have a 14 and 13 June, I think, was significant. And then, you know, all the factors that, we're, that we were seeing um, with the Giants, almost daily reminders that Bumgarner is going to be a free agent, that Will Smith's going to be a free agent, all the, the issues that they could have been having in the locker room of people being tense about the trade deadline coming there was just the one trade deadline, July 31st. So in some ways it could have been a ticking time bomb. Instead, I think it galvanized the group. They just started having fun. Kevin Pillar had said that once Alex Dickerson got to the club, they just started having more fun. I don't know if there's a direct connection to his arrival, but I just think that these guys just came together and said, Hey, this is Bochi's last shot. This is, 
We all have one month together before the trade deadline. Who knows who's going to be here? So let's just go and have, a, have fun and play baseball. And to go 19 and six in July is just bonkers. The stat I was um, sharing before that they went into July 36 and 47. They ended July 55 and 53. It's the first team in MLB history to go into July 10 games under and end up July with a winning record. So this is something that just hasn't, hasn't ever happened before. I don't think they expected it to happen as fast and as quickly as it did. But they just started playing baseball the right way. They started pitching better. Their pitching was awful uh, overall in the first month of the season. They were giving up runs in the first inning like crazy. And so that's the statistically the number one thing that's changed is they're giving up like two runs less a game um, from from earlier in the year. Right, so which in baseball is a huge ex- deal. And, and their pitching just gotten exponentially better. I think that – you know, Bumgarner and Smith specifically because they were the ones rumored so hard to be uh, on the trade block. They wanted to show that they could, you know, go out there and, and win for these guys and, and be the best they could be to, you know, kind of lead this team. And in doing so, ended up influencing the front office to to keep them around. And they still ended up trading some guys, but who they got back is, you know, is impressive. And we'll, we'll talk about that more in a minute. But, you know, the, the fact that they just went out there you know I was saying before it's it's very reminiscent to the 2010 team you know the cast off and misfits that they kind of were where it was a bunch of guys that nobody you know wanted you know all of a sudden coming together and playing together you know the Giants have a bunch of veterans that have been told for the last three years that they don't have it anymore because of the losing that they've gone through that they've got guys that were DFA'd like Yastrzemski and Dickerson that you know we're finally being given a chance at regular bats and they're taking advantage of it. You know, guys like Pilar that were being dumped by the blue Jays because they're in a full rebuild mode. And you have all these, these guys that teams didn't want for one reason or another, or people are saying they should be gotten rid of. And I think that's galvanized them to, to have the kind of run that they're on. And once you have momentum, it's really easy to keep the momentum. It's we've seen a lot of games. The giants were losing late in games and they found ways to win late. That, that happens in part because they had the confidence to know, hey, you know what? We're down two runs, so what? Let's go out and win it anyway. And in previous years, especially in 2017 and 2018, down two runs late in the game, they probably would have folded. And not necessarily because they didn't have the, the heart or the desire, but it's just the momentum. It's when you are constantly losing those close games, you just, you're wondering what's going to go wrong instead of, instead of just making it happen. And this year, their one-run game record is incredible, and they're, um, they're showing it off. I mean, they, they won 21 games all of last year in one-run games. They've already done that this year. They're like 21-10 and 10 in one-run games. So to, uh, to have that kind of a record in close games, it makes you believe that every close game is going to be a win. And that kind of belief that you have 25 guys deep, that's very powerful. You're absolutely right, especially with baseball, because it's just so streaky, and it's it's very easy to fall into psychological slumps as a player and as a team because it's so long and it goes all year, and there's just the natural up and down cycles that athletes go through. Anyways, it really, I think that mental side really plays into it. Raymond, what are your reactions to this July and heading into August? How are you feeling? What are your thoughts? It's been exciting. It's been like watching. You know, uh, Mike alluded to, uh, Candlestick Will alluded to it. Um, It's been like watching almost uh, a spiritual form of the 2010 team, where it was just kind of a mashup of veterans who have had moments throughout their careers. Or, I mean, in the 2010 team, there were some pretty big names there with Omar Vizquel and uh, Edgar Renteria. But um, you still had some players here that have, you know, for the most part, had some pretty decent careers and have played on some good teams. And so I felt that um, Saidi made a lot of lateral moves and just kind of traded some of our older, you know, players that weren't producing for players that he believed were slightly younger or similar, similar in age, but he could think we could get a little bit more production out of them. And for the first half of the season, that wasn't the case at all. Um, and in the month of July, everything kind of turned around, you know, I, from when I played and all the baseball I've watched, I've always felt 
you know, you know, baseball is a rhythm sport. Uh, like Candlestick Will said, it's a momentum sport. So you really do have to pace yourself. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And the first half of baseball really has to be you kind of establishing 500 to above 500 ball. Um, either between first and second place, because if you get down into the basement in baseball, by the time the all-star break happens, you know, it's really difficult to climb out of that, if at all. Um, you, you, the, the percentage, you know, the chance you have of staying in the bottom ranks is pretty high if you can't get, if you can't, if you haven't established that 500 um, plus baseball by the time the all-star break happens. So the fact that they were able to do that and climb out and get back into the race and more, and more importantly, the bullpen woke up. Um, the Giants have the best bullpen in the National League. They have the second best bullpen in the in, in all of baseball. Um, in ERA, um, I think they have the best ERA in the National League, and they have the most wins, winning win loss uh, ratio um, with, as as a collective bullpen group. You know, they're eleven and two in extra innings. Um, yeah, they're they're. I think they're even more than twenty one wins now. That I think they're close to like twenty six wins and ten in one run contests for the game of baseball. That's that's the type of pedigree and scrappiness that wins you playoff games. Because once you get to the playoff games, no matter how good your offense is, it really comes down to pitching because you're facing the best pitching in the league. And baseball is largely a defensive sport, so those that kind of scrappiness really starts to shine through and really becomes a valuable asset if you manage to get into the postseason and the Giants have shown that they are one of the if not the best team in the majors at winning those really tight tight contests um, so this has been a really exciting month and uh, I thought that I thought that the Giants really kind of needed to be more or less buyers more than sellers in this trade deadline and uh, based on the results I would say they they did some really bargain they they bargained some some decent players from our side but got a huge haul so they definitely were the buyers that i were hoping they were going to be yeah let's get into that let's talk about the trade deadline yankees were pining really hard for mad bum they were saying bum garner even as late as 245 today i was still seeing bleacher reports sending updates that the giants were listening to uh to trades uh concerning uh, Bumgarner and saying that he was possibly available. And as luck would have it, he didn't move. Candlestick, well, why don't you break down for the people, break down the haul that the Giants got? Well, the, the first part of the haul before we even get to the trades is that they, they got Madison Bumgarner, Will Smith, Tony Watson, and Reyes Maranta to stay. Um, you know, if, if there was going to be an overhaul, those four guys might have all been gone. And they're the, arguably the four best pitchers this year for the Giants. So they have their three best relief pitchers and their best pitcher um, still with the Giants. So the to me, part of the equation for uh, Zaidi today was not trading those guys. Um, I think if he had, the return would have been some of the top prospects in all of baseball. And I think that's what the price tag came up to because he realized that there was no reason to move Madison Bumgarner or Will Smith unless it was a, you know, overblown over, you know, um, overhaul of someone's system where they they were willing to just throw you everything that they have just to get the one more player they think would, you know, bring them over the top. And it didn't happen. The Yankees and other teams decided not to, not to, you know, match what he was probably looking for. So to me, that's the first part of this equation. The, the second thing is that, you know, the first trade that came down was, or at least that was reported, was the Drew Pomeranz and Ray Black trade for Mauricio Dubon. And he was the number three prospect in the Brewer system. He's a number six prospect in our system now, according to Fangraphs, which is also pretty impressive that for a farm system that was, you know, been panned by all of, you know, baseball experts is one of the worst in baseball. And the Brewers, who are, you know, touted as one of the best organizations, that us landing their number three prospect, he actually went down on our list because of how top-heavy our, our list has become with guys like Joey Bart and Luciano and, and some of the other guys that we have now. And um, But this kid, Dubon, could come in right now and play second base for us if we, had, if we, if we needed him to. Um, he can play shortstop. He's played more shortstop in his career. And one of the things we've learned from Zaidi is that he will absolutely – 
go after guys that are versatile and guys that can, you know, um, can play multiple positions because it, it creates more options. But to get a guy like that when you're giving them back only Pomeranz and Black, Pomeranz gave him a one-year deal, um, and he didn't pitch well at all as a starter. Started pitching well as a relief pitcher for a couple of weeks, and that was enough to convince the Brewers to take him. And Ray Black, who's a 29-year-old prospect, which means he's not really a prospect anymore, and he wasn't going to be on your 25-man. So, you know, that's a pretty small return on their end for a guy that could possibly be a starting second baseman for us. And then to go after um, Scooter Jeanette, for just cash, basically, or a player to be named later is, is you know, an, an essentially free in baseball terms. And you get a guy who was an all-star last year. The last two years, he had amazing numbers. This year, he's been hurt most of the year, but he's actually been hit, hitting pretty well the last few games. So even though he hasn't had a good year this year, he's starting to look like the player he used to be, um, starting to drive the ball a little bit. And if he, can, if he ends up being a guy who can come in and be the, every, the everyday second baseman, it allows a kid like Dubon to just be in AAA and get ready. And now we've got two guys um, going into the, the final 54 games of the season that can help push guys like Solano and Panic, which is a position of weakness we've had for most of the year. Solano's been such a great uh, versatile piece for us that is probably more uh, valuable to us coming off the bench and being able to play multiple positions, back up Crawford and those kind of things. Having to be the everyday second baseman might not be a great fit for him. So going out and getting Dubon and, and Jeanette ends up really shoring up second base. And it could mean that we have to say goodbye to, to Panic in one way or another. But um, Which I would be totally fine with. Well, and, and Panic would understand it, too. And, and, the, and the locker room would, too, because he just hasn't had a good season. And it's no. been now a couple it of years. It hasn't, hasn't been good for that. a few years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's heartbreaking. Since, since, when, since the 2015 All-Star appearance. Yeah, and, and you know, the, I, I think that you can trace a lot of that back to the concussion he got in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that he just maybe never fully recovered from that. And yeah, his back's back. also been an issue, too. Yeah, so I, I think that we'll, we'll, uh, we'll certainly learn more as the years go on about, about that. He might, you know, finally come out and say that it, he never really recovered and those kind of things. Um, the haul they got for Sam Dyson, um, you know, Sam Dyson's the best player they gave up uh, of the guys they have. But I, but to me, you know, when you have Smith and when you have Watson, you have Maranta, you know, you have, you're coming from a place of strength. And what they got in return was a guy in Jalen Davis who could play all three outfield positions and has been having a heck of a year. Um, he doesn't even crack our top 40, um, according to fan graphs on our prospect list. But the way he's playing right now, you know, the opposite of guys like Jeanette, where he's struggled this year. You know, Davis is having a tremendous year in double and triple A. He might be able to come in and, and take, you know, Austin Slater's spot or another outfield spot. Um, he'll probably start in, in the minors uh, at first. But it's just another guy that's going to push the guys that we have. You know, the thing that Zaidi said from day one was he wants to make moves to make our 40-man roster as talented as possible to make the 25-man roster, you know, a bunch of hard decisions. And, you know, getting a guy like Davis means that a guy like Slater better start hitting or he's not going to be a giant much longer. And that's what you want to see. And the, the guys, um, Prelander uh, Barilla and Kaiwei Tang, are now both in our top 20 of prospects, according to fan graphs. So that it's just amazing the level of talent that we added today. Joe McCarthy is, uh, according to fan graphs, is number 12 on our, our prospect roster. He can play left field and first base. And a guy in the Tampa system that we, we know all too well is a, a very good farm system. And when you look at all these moves and then, you know, forget all if none of those moves happen and just the, the Braves trade where the Braves take on Mark Melanson and all $18 million that he's owed. And we get two prospects back, including Tristan Beck, who was out of Stanford and has shown to be a pretty stud pitcher himself. Along with uh, the kid Winkler, that was a steal. That was a and, steal. And along with there. the kid Winkler, that could actually be a, a a nice piece for us. You know, it's it's incredible. And you know, I was looking at the numbers. So, in according to Fangraphs, the top our top 40 prospects, 15 of the top 40 prospects that we have right now, according to them, are guys Farhan's brought in. You know, from Hunter Bishop in the draft and Logan Wyatt to the five guys we got today, uh, or five of the guys we got today. We got eight guys today. Um, and six of the top 20. So, you know, the five guys we got today are all in our top 20, or five of the guys we got today are in the top 20, and then Hunter Bishop is uh, our 
one of the top five. So it's just, it's unbelievable the overhaul this quickly um, of our system that Farhan has really been a part of. And, you know, to have the financial flexibility now with Melanson's contract gone, to not give up uh, Bumgarner and Smith, which means we can give both qualifying offers in the offseason. Wasn't wasn't Dyson acquired via waiver because... The yeah, Rangers. Was, the Rangers gave him up. Yeah, so he was. He was. I mean, he. That was a Bobby Evans, you know, signing. Which, you know, Bobby Evans had some pretty bad moves, but he had mm-hmm. some pretty. He had some pretty great ones. Um, you know, Will Smith turned out to be a great one, and, and Sam Dyson too. And so for Sam, that just Dyson, makes the deal even sweeter. The fact that we got the guy off waivers and we we're able to get some really good prospects. Well, and I and I sent out a tweet. I maybe I think it was yesterday, and it's a ridiculous tweet in some ways, but because we're playing the Phillies, I thought it was appropriate. You know, Bryce Harper's not having a very good year and his, uh, his wins above replacements, like one and a half. Well, that's essentially what both Dickerson and, and Yastrzemski have been for us. And, and so when you just compare the three, it's like, we're basically getting the same production Philadelphia is getting out of Bryce Harper. We've gotten it out of both Yastrzemski and Dickerson for a third of the games because neither one's played anywhere near the number of games Harper has. And and they're both they're both basically giving us a win and a half um, wins above replacement. And, you know, they're making a combined million dollars. And, you know, Harper's making 11 million this year, but he's owed 330. So, you know, not not that that means that they're that Dickerson and Yastrzemski are better than Harper. But at least by that one stat, they're they're playing about as well as Harper's played this year Mm -hmm. in, in a lot less time. And that just shows how much. Farhan knows what he's doing and how much these guys are taking advantage of the opportunities. Yeah, totally. Raymond, what are your thoughts on Farhan? How great of a job has he done? He he already immediate impact. He's been like Wolf of Wall Street making the deals out there. The Mark Milan, I mean, Dyson is great because it's left over from the Bobby Evans era, but the fact that it was a waiver claim and we were able to turn that into a haul means that we you know, bought cheap, but sold really high. And the fact that Mark Belanson has been a disaster um, from beginning to end and has really only pitched well from like July 6th to about now with an 0.884 or 9.4 ERA. He's been lights out since July 6th. But the fact that we were able to get the Braves to deal some guys to us, in addition to taking the rest of his contract for only playing good for less than a month, uh, it's amazing. That's the fact that he was able to pull that one blows my mind. I'm like, wow, you have a pitcher who's basically came over to us after being a three-time all-star closer who was supposed to do the same thing for us and shore up what was a sore spot for us after, you know, our closers really aged out, aged out of rotation. Um, just never worked out, never worked out in terms of being effective and never worked out in terms of health. So the fact that we were able to get something out of him, you know, the fact that he kind of turned, at least he turned himself around in the 43 games that he played this year and was able to kind of regain some semblance of his former self more so in in this month, this past month, um, I think says a lot about Zaidi's ability to just wheel and deal. It's like, hey, if you look at the broader picture of Melanson, it's just not, he's, he's an all right piece. I mean, if you're, if you just need some, some bullpen help, and you've been watching the Giants and what he's done there, then he he looks good as of right now. But overall, has not been very productive in any real capacity. So that one uh, amazes me, especially considering that... Um, and, and going back to Sam Dyson, we've got the Jalen, Jalen Davis. That guy leads the minors with 40 RBIs, 38 runs scored, and 15 bombs since June 24th. Um, this guy's doing killer in AAA right now. You, when you're batting 331, you got 15 bombs in AAA ball. It's time to it's time to show your face in the big leagues. Um, so, you know, wouldn't be surprised to see him and some of these other guys come up. You know, but we got some really good, got some great bats um, that can that can be activated now if we needed them, and also some arms to fill up some of the holes that we just created with the, the departure of Pomerantz, Dyson, and Melanson. So we can, and plus we still have. The, the biggest and most important arms in our bullpen and in our starting rotation. So we really don't lose a lot of ground. I mean, we won today five to one over the Phillies, you know, and Jeff Samarja, um, who's been kind of a double-edged sword for the Giants since day one, 
um, you know, squeaked out a win and coincidentally also leads that uh, the team and the starting pitchers in wins. He's now eight and eight. Um, so, but uh, but with these other pieces added, I think we can just maintain momentum here. He he was very, Sion uh, Far Farham was just really selective and who was going to go to me i was like you need to get rid of the weak links if we can get rid of some of the weak links and get something good out of it i'll be happy and mark melanson in my opinion was a weak link because i'm looking at the broader picture of him um, even though i was pleased with what i saw um, out of him in july sam dyson that was like a more of a tougher pill to swallow because he's largely been solid he's posting a sub 250 era he's been pretty great out of the bullpen but what we got in exchange for him uh, is is I would take that trade any day of the week. And um, what you call it, uh, the other kid who is, you know, a prospect that is in his late 20s, no big whoop there. Um, he didn't even play this a lot year. for us this year. And, you talking, uh, talking about Ray uh, Black? Yeah, Ray Black, yeah. Um, that one didn't – I was fine with that. That was totally a, a good move in my book um, because it was like a player I hadn't even really been on my radar in terms of just, you know, players I'm watching. Drew Pomerantz, I thought um, – you know, he hasn't really been good since he left Oakland, and he was okay in Oakland. But, uh, you know, this is another piece that I was like, okay, that to me, I looked at him as a weak link um, because he has had he'd been playing better lately, but it struggled a lot um, since he came over. So that to me, so him and Melanson, so we gave up two weak links, one strong link for a haul of future and, and future players and also players that can keep us going now. So it was a win-win across the board for me. So let's let's ask there's a couple questions I want I want to have answered. Candlestick will who has the chance out of all this haul that we got, who has the chance to be in have an in, immediate day one impact to the starting lineup? Well, Scooter Jeanette might start Friday at second base. I mean, I, I can't imagine that he would Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Not not yeah, to start. Agreed. So, you know, if Jeanette comes in and he's and he's a start in Colorado on Friday. So, you, you know, that's that's a great place to, to get your feet wet on it with a new team. So if he if he comes in to start, it means Dubon won't. He'll he'll stay in the minors. I don't know what this what the um, what the deal will be with Jalen Davis if they let him just play continue to play in AAA or if they give him a shot. I know that, you know, when you look at the Giants kind of the 25 man roster and where they're kind of weak right now, you know, Zach Green, for all the incredible bats he's had um, lately in the minors, he hasn't, you know, been able to get much of an opportunity um, at the big league level yet. Tyler Austin's in a terrible slump. Austin Slater's not doing much. And then Joe Panic's struggling. Well, the guys we just got, you know, Joe McCarthy and Jalen Davis and um, Mauricio Dubon and Scooter Jeanette, the, those are the positions they play. They play second base. They play the outfield. They play um, first base. So, you know, Farhan is going after specific guys for specific reasons, not just trying to accumulate talent too. Um, and as much talent as they added today, they're making sure that it's like, if Tyler Austin's still going to struggle, then Tyler Austin's not going to be a giant much longer. If Austin Slater continues to struggle, he's going to be sent down. You know, Joe Panic might, might not be a giant on Friday. And yeah, I was uh, expecting the Austins to move, but they obviously don't have a whole lot of value at this point. Well, and I, I think what's going to end up happening is that they're going to get replaced by some of these guys. Mm -hmm. now, you know, mm -hmm. They could end up getting replaced by Joey Ricard or Mike Gerber or Chris Shaw or some, one of the other outfielders that we have on the 40-man. But, you know, ultimately it's about trying to build the 40-man roster to be as talented as possible. And, you know, if Tyler Austin can't hit anymore and if Austin Slater is going to continue to struggle, you know, Jalen Davis can play all three outfield spots. That doesn't bode well for Austin Slater. You know, no. because, because Scooter Jeanette's a left-handed hitting um, second baseman with some power, then that's he's basically Joe Panic, but has power and has done more in the last two years than Panic has. Mm -hmm. So the, the chances of them keeping keeping Panic is pretty small because Solano's way more versatile, way better off the bench, and he's right-handed, which gives them more versatility. So you know, the other part of it is you know Evan Longoria is not that far away from coming back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a guy like Zach Green, his his days are numbered because Longoria will be back and then Green doesn't really have a spot. And the way Sandoval's playing, you know, Green's not going to get that many opportunities anyway. Right. So, and know, Sandoval's think, also very versatile, too. 
Oh, right. I mean, you, to, to, to think that a, a pitcher like him can also hit, it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Okay, so looking ahead, looking into August, does this team, are we in position right now to get a wild card, card spot, Ray? Well, absolutely, we're in position. We're only two games back, um, at least according to the current standings. I don't think it's been updated. But um, I think we can catch Milwaukee. We can catch Philly. Um, we're going to beat, you know, if, if we take the series from Philly, we're going we're gonna to get some really good ground um, in the standings. So that'll, it's, this is a pivotal series right now as far as the current standings go. But I think August is going to be a little bit tougher for the Giants in terms of who we play. So, but if they just hold fast and, you know, pick their, pick their battles accordingly in terms of, you know, when to use some of these players that we've acquired and when to move around other players, you know, when other players uh, come back from injury, you know, i.e. Evan Longoria, you know, those, when those pieces come back and when some of the news pieces are added to the rotation, you know, that's all going to play into you know, the momentum. I don't think you're going to lose ground by moving panic and putting Jeanette in there because I think he needs to be in there. I think Sam, I think, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, the kid, the young kid, then AAA killing it right now. I forgot. Jalen Davis. I think he, I think he shows up in this, this month, this next month coming up. I'm pretty sure he's going to show up when you're batting over three thirty. Um, I think you deserve a call up and I wouldn't be surprised to see him come up and add some depth to the uh, utility here. So I think we're going to see these guys next month. We're going to see, you know, maybe less than a handful of them. Maybe, maybe more depends. Um, but, uh, you know, as long as uh, we keep pace here, I don't, I don't really see them, you know, losing momentum especially with the pieces that moved today. Today was kind of the big day. It's like, who's going to move and what position are they and how that, how that is that going to affect the chemistry? Because we all know what happened to the Oakland Athletics when Billy Bean decided to give up Ioannis Cespedes for John Lester. It was a disaster and they tanked the rest of the season and dropped all the way to the wild card and couldn't even win that game with the player that they acquired. So um, I didn't see the gelling of the team disrupted in today's trades. I just saw us getting rid of weak links and one decent piece for really good players that can help us now and players that can help us in the near future. So I, I think uh, it, our chances of staying in the race and perhaps taking a position in the wild card is still very much in play. Yes. And, and, the, and the relationship with Farhan and the team is still, you know, ongoing. And it sounds like, you know, when the, when the, Giants had uh, Gerardo Parra and um, Salarte and some other guys, and those guys got released. That I guess some of the veterans had went went to the management and said, you know, hey, those guys were part of our team. They they had built chemistry with us. We felt like we were a team, and then to just dump them, you know, what's the deal with that? And so Farhan started to realize that, you know, it's like let me be careful here on how I how I handle the team and how I handle the roster, and you know. So, you know, moving someone like Dyson, who's been such a big part of, of their success, you know, certainly can can throw a wrench in that. But I think it's also the exact one of the one of the main reasons that guys like Bumgarner and Smith are still there. But I also think that, um, you know, when you get someone like Davis for Dyson, to your point about seeing him come up because he's hitting, you know, hitting so well. Another reason to bring him up would be to show show the team. It's like, look, this is one of the guys we got for for Dyson. So, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. yeah, we lost the guy we all we all liked, but here's a productive bat that can come in right. and be a good fit for us with Dickerson, you know, having a lot of injuries already and, and dealing with some more injuries right now. Right. And he's you know, helping and, us in an area that's an, that's an area of need. The Giants right. offense and, does and struggle. So Slater, if Slater gets replaced by Davis and Davis just starts raking and him and Yastrzemski and Pilar are all playing well, you know, that's that's going to just show them. It's like, look, Farhan knows what he's doing. And look, he's still trying to keep as many guys as he can together. He kept Sandoval when Bochi pleaded to keep Sandoval when he was a numbers crunch, um, you know, on opening day, and that that turned, you know, that became successful. 
But then he went and, you know, made harsh cuts right away, got rid of Connor Joe, got rid of Michael Reed, and eventually got rid of Parra and Salarte. And so you could, you could see players being like, well, hey, why are we making so many changes so fast? And it was just him. It was his way. He wanted to always try to find ways to get a little bit better every day. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I'm looking at, I pulled up the August schedule. So we got the one, we got the one more game against the Phillies. But then we got a three-game series against the Rockies. And the Rockies have the most hilarious stat in July on planet Earth by comparison to the Giants. I just saw this. So the Rockies were 44 and 40 going into July. So kind of the opposite of the Giants. They went 6 and 19 in July, which is the worst record for a winning team in July since the 1888 Boston Bean Eaters. <laughs> so oh my God. I, just, I, I just had to throw that out there because how often oh. do you get to compare a team to the 1888 Boston Bean Eaters? So, so that. So, so, so the chances of the chances of winning that series is pretty great because of how bad the Rockies are playing right now. Then they have three against the Nationals with Scherzer on the DL or on the on the IL. Then you got four more with the Phillies, which if you're going to win the wild card, you got to beat the teams ahead of you. And if, and they already showed today they can beat the Phillies at least once. So that four game series will be huge. Then they got a two game series at home against the Athletics, which you know they're playing great ball. But you know if you can just get a split there. Then they got four against the Diamondbacks, who just gave up Granky and don't seem to care about winning this year. Mm-hmm. Then you got three against the Cubs, who are go right. Houston. And then then yeah. you get three then you get three against the Cubs, who you know they've shown they can beat this year. Plus, you know that's another team you got to prove you can beat them. Two more against the A's, and then two more against the D-backs, and three against the Padres. So we have a lot of games against teams that um that we know well teams that we've done well against this year mm-hmm. and teams that aren't necessarily doing that well even the teams like the a's and nationals that are doing well they're not 100 percent right now um, they're not and, a's are a's are playing 500 baseball right now they're winning, so, and losing, winning and you know losing. so they they have a i mean they they won every single series in july you know they technically haven't finished this series against yeah, the Phillies and, won and one eight straight of, and one and one of the games is uh you know is in august but you know, they didn't lose a single series in, in, in July, and that's significant. And they might not lose a series in August. And it might not necessarily be because they're as hot. It just might be who they're playing, too. So even if mm-hmm. they just split, you know, two of four with the Phillies and split two of four with the A's, but then find a way to win three of four against the Diamondbacks or, you know, sweep the Padres or sweep the Rockies, you know, they could end up with a lot more wins going yeah. into September. You got to beat those teams, especially those teams that are really, you know, down in the depths in terms of record, you know, right, especially got, with the momentum we have now, you got to beat these under 500 teams. Well, you got, you got five against the Phillies in August and you got three against the Cubs in August that are teams that are ahead of you right now in the wild card. So if you, if you think you can win the wild card, then you better beat those teams mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. because those are the teams you might face in a one game playoff anyway. So you better get used to it. Right. That's, the, the biggest, absolutely. the biggest thing we got going for us though, is that, at some point, Johnny Cueto's coming back. Yes, and, I forgot about Johnny, that. And Johnny Cueto is an ace who was pitching like, like an ace before he got hurt. I mean, he was having a Cy Young type season, um, even though it was just you know just a few starts last year before he got hurt. And he wants he's doing everything he can. He pitched today. He's doing everything he can to come back. And adding an ace to this um, this uh, staff is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. It is going to be huge. Now, looking ahead to September. We have two more series against our sworn enemy, the enemy I am surrounded by every single day. I find it so exhausting sometimes is those pesky Los Angeles Dodgers. Where do we rank up in terms of what the... Now, the Dodgers have a giant lead right now. I'm not even really concerned about that. It doesn't really matter to me. What really matters to me is, is this team capable... And are they currently capable right now of hanging with the Dodgers, taking a series now, or taking a series now in September and possibly in October? You want to start with that one, Ray? Uh, you can. You could take this one. Well, I, I think. Well, here, here's one stat I found was that you know right now the Braves are the best team in the National League on the road, 34 and 22. The Dodgers are second at 31 and 25. The Giants are third at 30 and 25. 
so we're basically the same road team as the Dodgers. And the biggest difference this year is that we just haven't been winning at home. We lost a lot of home games in those first couple months. And so we have, we have to, we have to win games at home. We have to find ways to win at home if we want to do well, but being able to win on the road is a great sign for the playoffs. And you get, you get Cueto back and you have Bumgarner, Cueto and Samarja with our bullpen that's going to be good enough to compete with the Dodgers staff. Because the one thing about the, the moves that Farhan made and the five trades that he made today was that the Dodgers made two trades and they didn't get anyone any good. They got Jed Jerko, who's you know a little bit better than some of the infielders they have. And they got, a, um, I think they got some other guy, I can't even remember his name, because I, I, don't, I don't know enough about the, the minor leagues to, to know what, they, you know what pitcher they got from the Rays. But they didn't go out and get a closer. They didn't get a guy, you know, they didn't get Vasquez or Green or, um, or Smith. Um, they didn't go out and get any, any other starting pitchers that are going to help them, you know, in the, in the playoffs. So they're going to have to hope Kershaw's healthy. They're going to have to hope Rich Hill's healthy. Obviously, Ryu's having an amazing year. But, you know, they've had pitchers in the past, whether it was Alex Wood or, or Maeda or whoever, that had great years, and then they just didn't show up in October. So, you know, there's no guarantee that just because they're having a good regular season that they're going to suddenly, you know, perform in the playoffs. Their experience in the last couple of years getting to the World Series is not a small thing. They're obviously going to be comfortable in the playoffs. The greatest thing in the history of sports would be the Giants and Dodgers facing off in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. That's never happened before. And so the idea that they could face off in the playoffs would be pretty remarkable. Um because because it's never happened before, especially um, for two teams that are such rivals. And uh, but, you know, our pitching can stack up with their pitching. And when that's the case, then it doesn't necessarily matter what they can do with the plate, because our, if our pitching can nullify it. We saw in 2010, 2012 and 2014 that no matter what offense you have, if, you, if our pitching can dominate, then all we got to do is get a few hits. And, you know. We, we saw that with, with what the Giants did in the years that they won. Right. If, if it were, comes to were, a close always, game, the Giants are probably the one team nobody wants to face right. if it's well, a tight because, game. Because who, who wants to face Bumgarner in game one? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, if, and if, Cueto, if Cueto comes out and pitches the way he can, who the hell wants to face him in game two? Mm-hmm. You know, you know Samarja is pitching really well right now, so – he has a good chance of being productive in October. Right. Doesn't mean he's going to. It doesn't mean right. that he'll definitely for sure, you know, be plus the way he's a wild card. He's so streaky. Right. And the way that the way that he pitches, he can certainly give up some home runs in October because you you are facing guys who are smarter hitters in every at bat. Because that's mm-hmm. what happens. You play you play better lineups in the in the playoffs. But we also could be up 2-0 by the time Samarge is, you know, pitching. So right. the the it always comes down to who's pitching the best, and then it's just timely hitting. But pitching is always the major thing. And if we can get through five innings, we have a better bullpen than they do. And exactly. So yeah. it, it really does come down. It doesn't really matter if, you know, Belt's hitting or Crawford's hitting because their, their great hitters aren't going to be hitting if our pitching is, is neutralizing them. Yeah. And, and you know, Farhan alluded to what we can expect from some of these trades in a letter that he wrote um, to the fans today. I've I got wanna... it up, too. Oh, go you got it, it up, too? Sure. Yeah, but go said... ahead. Yeah, this dude wrote a letter. How, how amazing is this dude? Yeah. I love I mean, this I, guy. I'm just going to read one, one excerpt from the letter, which kind of alludes to what we've already been talking about in terms of who we think is going to come up. So he says, we're extremely excited about the newest additions to the organization, some who have the potential to make an immediate impact. All-star Scooter Jeanette has the potential to bring more infield depth and power to our lineup. That means he's coming in, obviously. In Mauricio Dubon, we have acquired a highly touted, versatile prospect who plays multiple positions and can help solidify our infield in the near future. Not anytime soon, but soon, soon enough, maybe next year or something like that. Additionally, we've been able to acquire some talented young arms, Philander Baroa, Kaiwei Tang, and Tristan Beck to add to our pitching depth at all levels. These are guys that solidified the three positions we just lost. And we have Jalen Davis, my favorite prospect, and Joseph McCarthy, Bring outfield versatility, power, and athleticism, and both have the potential to contribute in the immediate future. Meaning these guys, and my prediction, I think, at, at least with Jalen Davis, I think he comes in in August sometime. 
Well, I think Davis and McCarthy replaced Slater and Austin is what mm-hmm. is what I is what I what I read into that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, I, well, one thing I do want to mention for the, for our listeners is that um, Jalen Davis, comma my favorite player. That was your comment, not his. But that would have been awesome if he wrote that in the letter. That would have been. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing he ends with. Well, one thing he mentioned at the very beginning, you could see he said. Uh, he said, uh, now that we're past the trade deadline, I wanted to make, take a moment to provide you an update of our baseball strategy and give you a little more insight on some of t- today's decisions. As I mentioned when I joined the Giants back in November, our goal is to play meaningful baseball as deep into the season as possible by continuously making moves to strengthen our roster on a daily basis. I recognize that the pace of roster moves is probably more than you've been accustomed to, but I firmly believe the changes we made give us the best possible chance to win each day and position us well for the future. As you well know, over the past couple months, the team has gotten back on track and we find ourselves right in the middle of a tight postseason race and given the talent on this team i like our chances down the stretch as you can see it's been this is the end of it i cut to the end as you can see it's been a whirlwind of activity today and the moves we made and in some cases didn't make madison bumgarner position us well now and beyond I hope you are as excited as I am to see how these next several weeks unfold. I look forward to seeing you at the ballpark in the coming days and weeks. Sincerely, Farhan, the baddest motherfucker on the planet, Zadie. <laughs> it, it literally, literally says, says that. that. It's in quotations. <laughs> uh, no, uh, this. I think this, it didn't say baddest mf'er because he was trying to be be sweet. Yeah, it was. It says bad, baddest mf'er, <laughs> and then a middle finger, a middle finger, Bet. and the LA Dodgers logo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is really exciting uh farhan is a beast i'm so pumped this has been the spark that has really really gotten me really excited about baseball and summer sports again because you know july is a rough rough month and the giants have ignited it and this is the perfect thing to uh keep us all nice and busy as we highly anticipate the 49ers season and i'm super pumped candlestick will do you have any final thoughts yeah i mean well what are the chances that two months ago we would have been talking about the giants like at all seriously i mean it's 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 been cricket for the last two years (laughs) well and and you know i i wrote an article before the season started in the offseason about you know, the Giants should focus on 2021 now. And the point of the article was any player that isn't going to be part of the 2021 team, they should think about moving because most of the contracts are going to be up by then, you know, Crawford's and Posey's and belts and everybody else, you know, was going to be either already gone like Samarjan Melanson, or we're going to be, you know, at the end of their contracts. So, the focus should be on, you know, Joey Bart's progress, you know, Luciano's progress and so forth. And so if a guy came in that was just a one-year rental, then if he showed production, then trade him. And if it was a guy like Samarja or Melanson suddenly showed production, then try to trade him. And, you know, the idea being that, you know, if they're not going to be here, you know, in 2021 and beyond, then we don't want to, you know, we don't need them. And the, to, to go from that to, Mostly this group and then a, you know, some some small you know pieces here and there have turned this team into a contender is it's it's amazing and hilarious, you know, depending on your perspective. But, you know, the only real youth piece that they had when the season started was Steven Duggar. That was really the only piece they had in the in the lineup that was where you could look at it and be like, oh, this is promising. Some young center fielder could be a gold glover already can hit a little bit. And he's not even part of the, the equation right now because he got hurt and then went back to the minors. And, and it's like they didn't even miss a beat. They got better when he left. And just the fact that that is the case shows how many things have happened and, and gone right for Farhan and this group because he's gotten, he's gotten guys that have helped you know, improve the team in so many different ways and create such versatility that we didn't need Steven Duggar to do this. And we, if you had said that in April, it would have been funny to think that Steven Duggar would have nothing to do with this. Um, and the pitching's the same thing. You know, Derek Rodriguez looked like he was going to be definitely the second best pitcher in this group. That it was mm-hmm. going to be Bumgarner and then then Rodriguez and then maybe maybe Samarja and Holland and then I guess Pomeranz. And it, we weren't really that confident with the group, but it was like okay, everything works out, and Rod, as, as long as Rodriguez has a great year, we'll be fine. Rodriguez hasn't been a part of this either. 
and he he struggled and went back to the minors and he's pitching tomorrow but you know it's he's been up and down because he went from getting his own bobblehead to not even being with the group and they're winning anyway and so now you have you know I was mentioning Bumgarner, Cueto and Samarja it's like the other guys that might fight for that fourth spot in the rotation if they make the playoffs and get past the wild card is now you have Sean Anderson and Tyler Beatty and Derek Rodriguez and Andy Suarez and Connor Menez. And all of them have starts this year in, at the major league level. And all of them could end up being a good fit for that fourth spot. And to have that kind of depth when before the season, it was Derek Holland, Drew Pomeranz, and then Ty Block. It's like, it's unbelievable what he's done to create depth instead of just continue to throw Derek Rodriguez out there, even when he was struggling because we had nobody else. Now suddenly we've got this depth and it's just a testament to what uh, Farhan has done. He's, he's so good. He's so good. Raymond, final thoughts. Um, this is my birthday month starts tomorrow. So this team better keep pace <laughs> because I want to, I want to celebrate this month. I, I like to celebrate the entire month that my birthday lies in, not just the day. <laughs> so I'm hoping the Giants keep up the winning so that I can enjoy the month thoroughly. Yeah, my final thoughts is I have been talking so much crap to Dodger fans. I was sending them tweets and posts to all my friends and just making – their lives a living hell. And it's the only thing I can do because I'm literally surrounded by the enemy at all corners, at all phases. I am constantly surrounded by Dodger fans. It's the one thing about LA that drives me nuts. Otherwise, I love living here. But my God, they're so obnoxious and they're so fragile because they're not good at winning the World Series. So this is this is Ray. This has been a, a you know, it's it's been a, a birthday gift for me, even though my birthday was in May. Since we're on the subject of birthdays, this is this has been a great gift, <laughs> a great July gift, and I'm very, very excited. Awesome. Yeah, and their former ace is now uh, with uh, in this now Houston yep. Astro. Yep, yep. <laughs> go yep. Astros. That's why I said that. Go, like, go Astros. Got uh-huh. creaky. Go Astros. I love it. I like the Astros. I, I, I have like the Astros. So I have no I was, problem with them. I was a big fan of the Killer Bees back in the 90s, so I've always had a soft spot for them. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, guys. We're going to wrap it up there. Um, let us know in your thoughts, how excited are you about this Giants season? Do you think they can make a run? Do we have what it takes to take down those stinking Dodgers? Let us know in the YouTube comments. Let us know. So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III. And with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. And our esteemed co-host. Candle, stick, will. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time. Same Gold Cast channel. Let's go! This is, is the Gold Cast. 